0: We have a, a, a desire, I believe, in, in our Wednesday night class, we're committed, we, it, the theme is the committed to grow, and so if, if you're committed to grow, I want you to encourage and be, the, be here Wednesday night, but we want to grow, but we, what we find is there's all kinds of things that get in our way, there's all kinds of things that we think this is happening, and that's going on, and, and this, is, this is not doing well, and this has been really difficult, and this is really hard, and all of a sudden we find that we're not really, we're not growing, what is it that does that? What is it that causes us to, uh, to, to, to sort of stumble? And, and, and we try to figure that out, you know? We try to figure, what, what is it that, that doesn't take us to the next level? Why can the Cowboys never win a single playoff game? What is that? I'm believing for Tampa. Tampa's my team, by the way. I'm all Tampa right now. I'm Tampa Bay. Come on, Bucks. You can beat those Lions. Daniel did, so Tampa Bay can. Come on. That, that's the one sports analogy. for the, That's it. That's not true. It comes out in just about every point I do. But we we think, what takes us, why do we not reach that next level? And for just the example's sake, I was it's all about TV. We're talking about, you know, all the things why, you know, this team couldn't go to this level and why this team, and they blamed this and they blamed that, and they're trying to break it all down. And it can be true that there is a lot of things that are involved in keeping us even from growing spiritually like we want. What is it that's involved? But what I found is usually we blame all kinds of other things. It's like, it's that boss. Man, if I just had a different boss, I'd be able to be better and have a better attitude. Or it's my work. Or it's my spouse. Or it's this this, this the financial stress I'm under. Or it's just this physical uh, element that I'm dealing with. I, if I could just be over that, then then I, then I would be better. Then I could really grow in God. Then everything would be okay. And we tend to sort of put our hands here and there and say, this is what's causing, this is the problem. I want to read a scripture out of Hosea 13.6. <laughs> this is God talking about Israel, God talking to Israel. And this is, uh, this is toward the end of the Old Testament, but This is really a theme that you find in almost every aspect of God's people. In fact, if you look close enough, you might find it even closer to home. He said, when I feed them, they were satisfied. When I fed them, when I I took care of them, when I healed them, when manna fell from heaven, when the waters opened up, when when all of a sudden, wherever their crisis is and whatever was going on, when when I helped them get through that, then they were satisfied. They were happy. They were good. Anybody identify yet with them? When they were satisfied, though, they became proud, and they forgot me. And we see this over and over and over and over again, where God blesses and God moves and God heals and God restores, and, and, and they they seem like grow and, and do well, but then all of a sudden things go uh, sort of, it's too easy, and we come, they become very satisfied, and they think, oh, this is okay, I'm okay, I'm doing okay, and all of a sudden, they think, I'm doing okay because I worked really hard, I'm doing okay because I got through this, I'm doing okay because I didn't quit, <laughs> I'm doing okay because I, and then they forget God, and all of a sudden, you go back to the same cycle that rotates over and over and over again, and the question is, what's the real growth inhibitor? What's the real growth break that stops us? What, what, what is it in our lives? I mean, we can blame this and this and this and this and this, but I want to boil it all down to something I think is, is important for us to understand because I believe it is the rise of pride that so easily says, I can take care of this, I can do this, that causes us to forget God, that says, I'm good, I'm okay, I can work through this. So that this morning I want to talk about breaking Breaking, breaking, your growth breaks. That things, those things, that thing that is causing you to not really grow in God, that you just feel like you're here. I did my whole dissertation on understanding how do we grow? Why do we grow? And even can we use online uh, uh, aspects to help us in our spiritual growth? And what I found surprised me. Because I thought, yes, these, if we just go online, if we just do all this, they'll really help us grow. And what I found is that those that used them grew, right? But those that didn't, of course, you're thinking that they didn't grow, but they didn't grow not because they didn't use the online uh, uh, applications and apps and things like that. They didn't use them because they didn't want to grow because there was too many other things that distracted them. And it was it, the online tools and apps that were helpful... But they weren't the the deciding factor. Those that weren't, wouldn't. Those that did, used them. (laughs) And I'm just thinking, so it really does boil down to the heart. What is it that causes us to grow? And how do we break? How do we break? And two, how do we break away from those growth breaks that are in our life, that, that are pushing against us? Let me start with Proverbs 16, verse 18. It says, pride goes before a crashing, you know, I rewrote that a little bit because that's literally what that word means. It means a crashing, not just a fall. I mean a, a, a beat down, you know, something that, is, that, is, that just wipes them out. Pride goes before a crashing. A haughty spirit goes before a fall. Now, when, when, we, when we look at this and we try to understand this and try to understand what is it that, that God is doing in our life, we need to understand that pride is the break of self-deception. Pride is the break of self-deception. You know, that, that it's easy to think, ah, I'm so glad I'm proud. I'm so proud that I'm not proud. I don't have pride. <laughs> you know, it, 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 we don't see it. I mean, that's a joke, right? I, I didn't really mean that. But that's a joke. You know, that I'm so proud that I don't have any pride. But it happens because we do not see the pride. We don't understand that the pride is attached back to what we're dealing with. The pride that says, I'm okay, I'm good. I can do this on my own. I can figure this out. I don't need this. I don't need that. I don't need them. Whatever it is, I can work on this. I can do these things. And because of of that, we are self-deceived in that we don't really understand what God is really trying to do in our life. Pride is putting your trust, what you trust in yourself. You are... The, the, the conveyor of everything that you want to do. You are the conveyor. That's pride. And our world functions and runs and revolves around pride. And if there's anything that's going to stop, slow down, or put a break into your spiritual walk, into your growth, to your becoming better as a husband or a wife or your family and everything that you want to do, if there's anything that's going to break that, it is pride. It just sort of creeps up into our life. So we say, well, Greg, how do I do that? How do I break that pride? If it's just so much a part of us. It was a part of the very beginning. I mean, Lucifer, as we understand it, fell because of pride and was cast out. Adam and Eve said, I think I'm good. God said, no, but I think I can control this. I can make the decision. That was pride. It was always pride. Everything about it was the pride of I can do this. I can, I can live this way. I can behave this way. So I, I, I want to talk about this morning to help us understand how can we break the pride that so easily moves into our life that keeps us from growing. And that's what we want. There's, there, no one ever says, I want more pride. No, they, they say, I want to grow in God. I, I don't want to be the same. I want to be better. I want to be better in my walk with God. I want to be better in my family as a mother, as a father, as a husband, as a wife, whatever that is. I want to be better. I want to do better. How do we get there? How do we do that? How do we become that way? Let me just give you an example of the subtlety and the self-deception of pride. Pride very often has been associated with a, a peacock, right? You know, the peacock. And so you see the beautiful peacock. They'll, they'll put that picture up. Beautiful, beautiful peacock. But here's the thing about a peacock. As it's coming, it is beautiful. It is just gorgeous. You see that? It just puts it all out there, you know, and and... Pride is a lot like that. You don't see it coming. You think, this is going to help. This is only going to encourage me. This is only going to deal with my self-confidence or whatever it is. We, just, we don't see pride as a negative thing when it's coming. But do you ever see the back of a peacock? Just see the back of it. Okay, I know you're thinking butt ugly, but that's exactly what it is. It's just, it just like, oh, okay. You're like browns and like ugly. And, and that's the nicer pictures. I don't, I don't even didn't want to show you the others. Like and that is the same with pride in our life. Coming, it seems like, oh, this is good. This is okay. This is this, this is helpful. This is good. I'm okay. You're okay. We're all okay. Okay? And then all of a sudden when it leaves, and as it leaves, it reveals the ugliness of ourself, of our failure, of our weaknesses, of all that's going around us, everything that, that is falling in, in our lives. You see, it seems beautiful, but it just reveals the weakness of who we are. So I want to talk about three kings, three godly kings, three, not the three kings that vid- visited Jesus. You know, okay. One, there's probably more than that. Two, they did good. They actually visited Jesus. But I'm talking about three kings that we find in the Old Testament that did right, they were considered godly. In fact, in all three cases, they, the Bible says they followed God. They followed after God. They were godly. They, they, they did good. And yet all three of them experienced a very difficult break in their life, something that didn't go well. Let me start with King David. So in David, David was blessed. God blessed David. The Bible says that David had a heart after God. And so God blessed him for everything. I mean, he picked up a slingshot, blessed. <laughs> picked up a sword, blessed. Became king over the, the whole uh, uh, area. I mean, it expanded Israel. It was, it was blessed, 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 blessed. Family blessed. Everything blessed. Everything he did. He looked this way, it was blessed. <laughs> That's what God did with David. And so it's all the more stark to then find 2 Samuel chapter 11 when all of a sudden you hear this loud screeching noise. You ever been driving and you hear this loud screeching noise behind you? You know this is not good because someone slammed on their brakes and they're about to plow into me. This is what you hear in 2 Samuel 11. It's a loud screeching noise of breaking going on in David's life. And it does not start like you think it would. It doesn't begin like like we think uh, it, it should. It is it is the break of of pride to break the pride is about small compromises. How do we break the pride of small compromises? How do we uh, change what, it, what what's going around in us? And in Second Samuel chapter eleven, it says this: At that time, David, king, over all the same. At that time, when kings go off to war, David remained. Uh, you're thinking, okay, that's not too inspiring, but that's fine. It seemed like, okay, when he was supposed to go off to war, when it was time to go off and fight, David said, I am so done with fighting. I'm so done with struggling. I'm so done with trying. I'm so done with doing like this. I'm just going to send my army out. Let them go. Let them fight. This is, they got to fight, you know, because it's what you do. But I just don't want to go this time. I'm, I'm just, you know, do you ever feel like, I just need a break? I just need a break and very often what we do is we get a break from God and it breaks our growth and it breaks all kinds of things in us and this is what happened with David he should have been out now what happens is you got to follow to really understand what happens you got to follow the rest of, of of scripture there is that David said I'm not going to go out I'm not going to go to war and so he was in the palace when he shouldn't have been stay with me and then he goes out on top of the palace. And he says, look at this grandeur. Look at all of this kingdom. Look how God has used me. This is amazing. Look at all that. And so he was ad- admiring <laughs> the, uh, the beauty of everything God is giving, the great kingdom, and in so he saw. Now, I don't think there was anything wrong with the seeing, but what he saw with a beautiful, beautiful woman bathing so he saw her, and the, the, see, this is the steps of small compromises. This is how we break pride, but this is what pride does, and the first one, he shouldn't have been there. The second one, he's out on there the, the, the palace admiring everything, and then he saw her, but that's not so bad, except it leads to the next step, as he saw her. Come on, you know what I mean? All of a sudden, it went from his eyes to his heart, and then, and then he said, "Hmm." So then he brings his servants in. And he says, uh, "Find out just, what's her name." I, it's not—it's not wrong to ask her name. Just who is this beautiful subject of mine in this great kingdom? Just—he just, just inquired. He just—he just asked the name. It's okay. I just want to find. Her. Then he find out that she's married to her main, one of her key generals. And he says, "We'll just ask her to come over. We'll just chat. We're just gonna chat. Just invite her to chat when her husband's gone." And that led one thing to another. That she comes and sleeps with him, and then gets pregnant, and then they're busted. So he then said, "Okay, well, uh, we got to figure out something." So he tries to get the husband to go. St- sleep with his wife, but he says, I will not do that while we're fighting battle because he was loyal. So David, who just shouldn't have been where he shouldn't have been, slowly takes these small steps and all of a sudden he moves from, I'm just hanging out. I just don't want to fight today. I'm just not going to war To all of a sudden becoming an adulterer, a betrayer to his own general, and then eventually a murderer because he sent him off to war and said, okay, all all you guys withdraw so he'll be killed. David, man of God, God after God's own heart, man after God's own heart, and all of a sudden, he, how in the world does he get to murder and betrayal and adultery? How does this happen? How, how does he get there? Just small steps. It's just a small step. This is okay. There's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with looking. There's nothing wrong with thinking. There's nothing wrong with this. And all of a sudden it moves, and it moves 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 until there is a serious break on anything that we're ever doing for God. How do we do this? See, it's time that we break up these small compromises? Somewhere in the line, we have to stop the compromise. Somewhere in the line, we have to say, I'm not doing this. And David understood this because later on in Psalm 51, it says he wrote this psalm after the prophet came and said, "You have sinned, David." So David thought he covered it up, but he realized God saw everything, and then in Psalm 51, just, just real quick in verse 17, he says, "My sacrifice to you, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken, a broken and a contrite heart you will not despise. A broken and a contract heart." See, David understood the only way. The only way to stop the small creep of compromise that comes into our life, that pride starts to build up. I'm okay. That was okay. See, I did that and it didn't hurt. I looked, it didn't matter. I just asked the name, it didn't matter. And all of a sudden, you know, okay, so, you know, we shouldn't have had that night, but that's okay. And then all of a sudden, it turns into murder. And just, how did, do you realize up to this point, everything in David's life was blessed. And after this point, to the day he died, everything was hard everything was difficult his family rebelled against him it was just it, it, it was one crisis after another he still was t- t- torn or tuned toward what god wanted but it breaks us and the only way we break this is to understand your heart has to be humble and say god it's it, it it's not whether i think i got it right or not it's god you're in charge god i trust you god i believe in what you're trying to do in my life. Here's a second thought. We have to to break pride. We have to break the pride of selfish isolation. Now, this is not one that you would think of when you're thinking of pride and being prideful, but it will be one of your biggest growth inhibitors in your life that you've ever seen. It will put the brake on anything you're trying to do from God. It's amazing how this is. You see, I have a professor, he used to always say, he said, that any good idea we had, the world stole. Every good idea comes from God. <laughs> and so he gives several examples. But one of the examples I thought was, was uh, interesting is like uh, the iCloud. Long before the world ever thought, let's put everything in the cloud. You can have access to it. You can have information. You can do all that. God did this first. You say, what? Look at Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. It since we are surrounded with such a great cloud of information, of witness, of example, of illustration of how we're supposed to live. That's what it's talking about. Let us throw off everything that hinders, that breaks our life, that holds us back, and the sin that so easily entangles us. That the example of we have, God has given us a church, a body, a connection a cloud of witness to understand how we relate to each other and how we can encourage each other and how we can challenge each other in our life. I want to look at the second king, King Uzziah. <laughs> now, this was an, an amazing man. He was uh, the king of Israel many, many, many years ago, right? He, and as, as the king, he came as a young boy, really, to the throne and reigned for 52 years and was brilliant, and expanded the army. had an army of almost over 300,000 men that were, that were armed and, and had swords and all these kind of things that were way ahead of the time. In fact, he invented, or as we understand it, was one of the first ones to invent the catapult, Uzziah did. It says in the Bible that he constructed these machines, it says this, on uh, these it, 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 machines that would hurl rocks and great spears off of the, the towers in Jerusalem. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before you ever find it with the Greeks who supposedly invented it and stuff. Here's Uzziah. So he's smart, he's brilliant, he loves God, and the Bible says he followed God with, with all of his heart, that he was following uh, after God. But in this time, Uzziah got really, really sick. And the prophet came to him and looked at him and said, yep, you're going to die. <laughs> Don't you just love pastors that do that? No, I think you're, it's hopeless. You're, you're just going to die. That's what God told him to say. You're going to die. So Uzziah cried out to God, God, have mercy. And as the prophet was leaving, he was still in the court. God said, stop. I'm going to have mercy on Uzziah. I'm going to do something special. I'm going to do something amazing. Go back and tell him that I'm going to heal him. So the prophet turned around, goes back and says, Just kidding about that other part. Now God says you're going to be healed. (laughs) You're going to be totally, and and Uzziah said, how do I know I'm going to be healed? How do I know? And he says, well, you choose. Do you want the the sun to zoom forward 10 uh, spaces on the dial, which is ours, okay? You want it to zoom forward uh, 10 spaces, or do you want it to move backwards 10 spaces? And he says, well, it already moves forward, (laughs) so let's see, let it go backwards. And so it did. It actually went backwards. <laughs> How God did that? Stop, earth, move backwards, around, the I don't know, but, but he did. And all of a sudden, oof, it just went backwards. Everyone was amazed. Uzziah was healed. Everything was great. Wow, what a miracle. <laughs> well, way, way far away, the Babylonians, who studied the stars all the time, that's probably where the other three kings came from that went to see Jesus. That's another story. So they're studying the stars all the time. They go, wow, wait a minute. We know how this works. This, this is not right. This is great. And they hear about what God did and they sent people to see this amazing thing that, that their God was able to turn back time. Wow, that was incredible. So they went to see there and they get to Uzziah. And what does Uzziah do? He says, Yeah, y'all God heal me. But let me tell you how rich I am. Let me tell you how great I am. Let me tell you what, what all the blessings that I have in, in my storeroom and opened up his whole storeroom and showed them everything. Mm. Mm. Second Chronicles 26, uh, 26 16 says, But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. The pride of, I'm good and, and I can, I can, I can uh, live this way. And I can, I can, it, it could be okay. It could be okay. You know what? I totally messed that up. And I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Everything I tell you was Hezekiah, but we'll get back to Hezekiah. This is Uzziah. He was still smart and he still invented the catapult. Okay? I just realized, Greg, right, look, if I teach you something not true, did you, you should, Dirk, I'm surprised. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, where does it say that? If I'm a letter off, Dirk will show me, say, hey, there's a letter off. So let's, let's reboot this a little bit. We can fix it on the, on the thing. No. Uzziah was powerful, and he had a great army and invented the catapult and thought he could do everything, okay? So he thought he was good. He thought every, everything w- was, was what he's controlled. So he decided that he was going to do things on his own. So now let's look at if You can probably rearrange all that. It says Proverbs 18, 1 It says a man a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against wise judgment. He rages against that's the New King James version. I used to do the NIV. Just want to be clear with you guys. <laughs> he rages the one who isolates himself. The one who says, "I got it. I don't need any help. I don't need any input. I don't need any anything that 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 tells me what I, I, I'm okay." I, I can do this on my own. And so what he decided to do is he was going to go make the sacrifice. So he goes in to the temple and says, I'm going to make a sacrifice. And the priests all gather and said, you can't do that. That's only what the priests are supposed to do. And Uzziah was, wait a minute. Do you know who I am? I do you know what I do? Do you know how God has used me? you know what I invented? <laughs> you know how great I am? And so he was going on and on about how great he was and everything. And they said, no, you can't do it. And he began to just rage against them just was so angry that they were going to stop him or trying to stop him from making a sacrifice that it wasn't right. And as he spoke, leprosy broke out on his forehead. And they took him and they ushered him out of the temple and they ushered him out. And he was isolated in a small room for the rest of his life. And his son took over and began to, to rule the, 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 the country because he thought he could do it. I don't need any help. I don't need the priest. And it's easy for us to do the same thing. It's easy for us to think, I'm good. I don't need any help. I don't need to go to the men's group. I don't need to go to the women's group. I, I, I don't need to go Wednesday nights. I, I'm good. i show up when I want. I can do this. It's easy to, to start to the end. And it is, it is isolating ourselves. You see, pride will isolate you. Pride will say, pride will say, nobody knows my pain. No one understands me. No one knows how I'm hurting No one understands it, and it will isolate you and hold you back from really growing in what God wants you to do. It will will take you and push you back. That's what pride does. And we'll never begin to grow until we understand, I can't can't isolate myself. I can't do that. I got to step up and allow input and direction and, and, you know, it tells me the right verse. Whatever whatever it is, I got to understand that God inputs in my life, through people, through what God wants to do in my life. And here's the last thought. Hezekiah. Break the pride of only now. Break the pride of only now. You see, what pride does is it says, ah, that was then. Ah, it didn't matter anymore. I'm okay now. And I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm not going to worry about what, what is, what's going to happen tomorrow. I, I have a, my... my uh, pastor up in uh, Virginia Beach, Steve Kelly. He always says about people. Sometimes they can't pass. They can't think past lunch. And what he means by that is that they they are so focused in mm-hmm. now that they would fill up on three cheeseburgers, knowing that they're going to have a steak dinner that night. But they but all they're focused on is right now. All they're focused about is right here, right now. And that's what pride does. It just says, I'm okay now. It doesn't matter what I did. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what's going to happen tomorrow. It doesn't matter about the consequences of what's going to happen tomorrow. It only matters that I'm good now. It only matters that I'm taken care of right now. Hezekiah was a man, King Hezekiah was a man that followed God with all of his heart. He followed God with all of his heart. He, he, he sought God. He, he lived for God. But all of a sudden, he came to the place, as I was telling the story, he came to the place that after God healed him, after God worked this incredible miracles, the Babylonians come and they say, hey, tell us, show us. And all he did was show, his, show him the kingdom. All he did was show him what he did. He missed the incredible opportunity because you see years later, These same Babylonians that saw the great treasure came, invaded Israel, and took them into captivity. Imagine if it was something different. Imagine if he had been able to witness to them and say, Our God is great. Our God can move and stop the sun. Our God can move it backwards. Imagine if he focused everyone on God instead of him and his riches. Because they went back and said, This place is ready to be conquered. And years later, they did just that and took everything, destroyed Jerusalem and took everyone into captivity because of the pride of one man. Because the pride that says, that it's only about now, I don't care about tomorrow. I'll show them as long as I'm good, as long as I'm okay, as long as I'm taken care of. It, does, it doesn't matter. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, all of you, it's, it's okay, It says, all of you, clothe yourself with humility. All of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Clothe yourself with Christ's humility toward one another. See, pride doesn't doesn't just start with God. We practice it on each other. We practice on, on how we treat each other, how we respond to each other, how we interact with, with each other. We practice on that and what happens is that pride builds and builds in these small steps, we go and we go and we go and all of a sudden until we get to the point that we're actually opposing and going against the very things that God wants to do in our lives. You say, Greg, how can I break this isolation that says I don't need to go, I don't want anyone to know my pain, I don't want anyone to know my hurt, I'm good. Because if anyone sees my hurt, maybe they'll reject me, maybe they'll hurt me. And so we isolate ourselves. We we think we don't do that, or we just keep making these small compromises. You think, Greg, it didn't seem that bad. It was just it's this little thing. Well, this little thing will lead to another thing and to another thing and to another thing and to another thing. On and on and on. And you can apply that to anything in your life. If just just the little anger that you have towards your spouse, the little rejection that you do there, the little thing, and it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds and the pride brings a separation. Or just the little, well, just a little look, it won't matter, and a little look and look and all of a sudden you're trapped in such pornography or stuff like that. Or a little, little drink here, a little drink here, a little drink there, and all of a sudden you find yourself struggling with things. God, what is going on? Whatever it is. Whatever. You see, I don't have to... Call out your area, <laughs> that the the one that so easily entangles us because God can right now with your spirit. Because these are all driven, here's the point, they're all driven by our pride. This is I got this. I'm okay. I can do this. It won't it it, it won't matter. But this is what God's trying to do in our life. And the only way we're gonna break, break the things that are putting a break on how you're growing in God. Is to live and to put on, to clothe ourselves with His humility, because we can't do it in ourselves. We can't, we we can't, because the the uh, the pride pushes us. And you say, Greg, how do you know if I have pride? One of the, one of the indicators I've seen as we as we see here is that if you're angry a lot, that's pride, because you think you have a right. They don't understand you. Or if you constantly withdraw and don't let anyone see who you are, don't let anyone see your pain, you're thinking, oh, that's just, he just hurt, he just wounded. You know what, that, that's pride. This isolateness it just creeps in so subtly. It's, Greg, how can I break this? Clothe ourselves with Christ. Immerse ourselves in who he is. It's his righteousness, not our righteousness. And his righteousness will make all the difference in the world. You received the word this morning. Amen. Come on, give God thanks. Even if it was backwards and, back and forth, It's all good. God has a, God has a way of moving through, through even me. So here's the point. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Just like the small step leads us the wrong way, the small right step leads us the right way. And it could be the simple step of, okay, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. That's breaking pride. He says, God, I, I get so angry because I feel like I have this right. You know, I have people to understand me. Break that pride. He said, God, I need your love, your kindness. And he said, Greg, how do, how do I know I'm, I'm being humble with God? The Scripture tells us, humble yourself with one another. As you humble yourself to someone, if you you humble yourself, if you serve someone else, if you reduce that pride for someone else, you, you are opening up. You're taking the right steps to keep your heart open with God. Father, I thank you for your grace. And God, I pray you would just move in every one of our hearts because every one of us have the pride that easily moves up easily creeps in, easily takes over. God, we we pray that you put on our humility that comes from Christ, the humility that changes us. And God, we just simply say, we need you. Cleanse me, renew me, strengthen me, touch me, change me. I need you, God, in the name of Jesus.